So one of my favorite understandings of worship is that when we gather together to worship, we are rehearsing graced reality. We're rehearsing graced reality. Together as a community, we are rehearsing the life, the lives that God calls us to. This is week two of our worship series, Why Church? And so throughout the month of September, we are exploring why we church. And yes, we are primarily thinking of church as a verb, as something that we actively do or participate in. So last week, we said that one of the primary reasons that we church is because we want to be the best us we can be. And we want to live authentically with purpose and meaning. We also said that we understand that all that we are and all that we have is gift from God. In fact, the Apostle Paul was adamant about this particular point in our scripture reading last week from Romans 12. And then we acknowledged that we discover who we are and what our purpose is in life from the one who made us, from God. And one of the primary ways that we learn to live as the person and or live into the purpose and person that God created us to be and calls us to is through worship. Worship is a spiritual practice. It's meant to shape us and to form us spiritually, both as individuals and as a community, into the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is meant to be a witness in the world to what graced reality looks like. When people look at this community, when they look at you and me, our individual lives as we live them out there in the world, we want people, the hope is that they would see grace in action, that they would see God's love embodied. Of course, that's a tall order. (laughs) It's a lot to ask. It's really hard to do. But that's why we rehearse. That's why we do this over and over again. As someone with a theater background, I particularly appreciate the analogy of rehearsing as opposed to practicing or training. Because rehearsal, while we are practicing in rehearsal our lines and our blocking, we're practicing set changes and costume changes and lighting and sound effects, all the things that go into telling this story, before any of that is set in stone, Rehearsal is the process of exploring and discovering the story that the playwright is trying to tell in a space where it's safe, even encouraged to take risks and maybe even fail as we experiment with how best to understand and tell the story faithfully. Diana Small is a recent graduate of Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary, and she wrote in an article recently on this subject, the purpose of rehearsal is to get to the next rehearsal, a little bit stronger, wiser, and more confident in the story-making at hand. And then she likens rehearsal to worship by saying, so too is liturgy an act of practice and preparation. It is a life's work of uncovering and discovering the storied reality of God. I would add that in worship, we set in dialogue our storied reality with God's storied reality as the means for better understanding and living into our God-given identity and purpose. Worship helps us do that. 
The United Methodist Book of Worship lays out a basic pattern of worship that provides structure for ordering all of our worship. It's grounded biblically, it's grounded historically and theologically. It is a basic pattern. It is not an order of worship. It's meant to be a guide that orders all of our other worship. And because it's a guide and not an order, it allows for a great deal of flexibility. And it can be adapted and it can be reordered for particular congregations, for particular occasions, for particular seasons. But the basic pattern keeps us grounded and reminds us exactly what it is we're up to in worship. I'm sure you've noticed that here at this church, if you've been around for any length of time, that we regularly change the order of worship. We change it based on the season, based on the occasion, based on the series that we are engaged in. Each of those represents a unique journey that we're taking together as a congregation. And the way we order worship can, and we design it so that it will best serve whatever that journey is that we're taking together. The basic pattern of worship has four movements. The entrance, the proclamation and response, thanksgiving and communion, and then the sending forth. It's pointed out in the book of worship that this pattern goes back to worship as Jesus and his earliest disciples experienced it. Services in the synagogue and services that were um, engaged in at home around the meal table. These services have been fleshed out over the course of 2,000 years based on the church's experience. But the entrance and proclamation and the response together, those movements are often called the service of word or a preaching service, and they are the Christian adaptation of an ancient synagogue service. And then the Thanksgiving and communion, which is also commonly called um, the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion, that is patterned more after the Jewish service that was experienced at meal tables at home. Now, over time, as the earliest disciples were teaching and preaching about Jesus, it began to cause divisions between the church and the synagogue. And so Christians began to hold an adapted synagogue service that included breaking the bread as they gathered on the first day of the week. This combined service is called a service of word and table. And you can read about it, read an example of it, evidence of it in Acts 20. Apparently this was an accepted pattern of worship by the time Luke wrote his account of the walk to Emmaus that we just read because it pictures joining together this transformed synagogue service alongside a transformed holy meal, and it indicates to the readers that we can know the risen Christ through word and table. Now, our worship, at bottom, it's meant to be an encounter with the living God through the risen Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The book of worship cites the Emmaus account as a model for our worship today for the basic pattern. The first movement, which is the entrance, is likened to the beginning of our story today. As on the first day of the week, the two disciples were joined by the risen Christ, so in the power of the Holy Spirit, as we gather together as a community, 
the risen and ascended Christ, joins us. When we gather and worship in the morning, um, we do all sorts of things to come together in the Lord's name. There might be greetings, there might be music and song, prayer and praise. Everything that we do on Sunday morning as we come together, arrive here to enter into God's presence, it's all a part of our gathering. I think we should imagine everything we do from the moment we open our eyes on a Sunday morning until we get here to worship as part of our gathering, as an act of worship. Whether you wake up early in the morning to enjoy that first cup of coffee as you prayerfully watch the dawn break and meditatively dress and drive to church, arriving 15 minutes early so you can sit in the front pews and center yourself in preparation for the holy, or whether you bolt out of bed in a mad dash at the last minute to wake yourself and your kids, get ready, dash to the car, eat a hurried breakfast on the way here, and squeal in on two wheels into your parking space five and a half minutes late, whether it's that or some combination of the two, we are coming together all morning long in the name of Christ. We're gathering as a community, forming a community that will worship God together. So you experience things as you come in from the parking lot, like being greeted by our greeters, being welcomed by our ushers, receiving a worship guide. You may hear music as you enter, or you may already be here when the introit begins. You have time for informal or private prayer and meditation. When we register our attendance and hear the announcements, all of that is part of us being gathered together and being formed as a community. During this time, we are usually called to worship with a Christian greeting. We sing a song or a hymn of praise. We rehearse praising God. That's how we begin worship. We begin by reminding ourselves that we are gathered in Christ's name and that God deserves our praise. Whatever story we bring with us on a given Sunday morning. It's at this point during this song generally when the light enters. The acolytes come forward and they light our candles reminding us that, the, that Christ is among us with the light of Christ. Whatever stories we bring with us on a given Sunday morning, we do so in faith, trusting that we can place all of ourselves in God's presence. The disciples carried a story of sorrow on that particular first day of the week. They had just witnessed the crucifixion of the one that they thought would be their savior. And together, they poured out their pain. They poured out their hearts to Jesus, although they didn't know at first that that's who he was. I wonder how often we are so immersed in our own story, in our own pain, that we don't even realize Christ is present with us. As they poured out their hearts, they also opened themselves to what Jesus might say to them. We bring our stories and we pour out our hearts to Christ, whatever is on our hearts, trusting that our whole selves are safe in the presence of God and opening ourselves to hear what Christ might speak to us. This morning, 
we had an act of confession together. We did that today in preparation for hearing the word. Throughout the week, we often turn away from God. This is our opportunity to intentionally and purposefully turn back toward God and open ourselves. You can also do an act of confession after the sermon as a response to having heard the word. I wonder what stories you've carried with you this morning. What you are bringing into this space, what's on your heart? Do you bring joy, celebration? Are you discouraged? Are you experiencing some sort of struggle with work or with a relationship? Maybe with your health? Maybe you're carrying grief. We turn toward the Word of God in the hopes that we might discover some revelation, some spark of hope. The second movement in our worship, the second part of our basic order is proclamation and response. We have the scriptures scriptures open to us through the reading of scripture, through preaching, through witnessing sometimes, through music, through other arts and media. Oftentimes we may have an evocative image that draws us more deeply into the theme of the day. Our table is set to remind us, as we talked about last week, that as the sunflowers constantly orient their faces toward the sun, we are called to orient our faces toward God. As Jesus opened the scriptures to Cleopas and his friend and caused their hearts to burn, so we too hear the scriptures open to us. And as our story encounters God's story, we may begin to make some sense of our lives. Maybe some word or image strikes true in our hearts. Maybe it kindles or sparks a burning that gives us hope, that gives us guidance or perseverance or wisdom or some revelation. Maybe we experience love more deeply or the beginnings of forgiveness. Maybe we experience redemption all over again. And then based on that experience, we are inspired by God to respond. And just like those two on the road to Emmaus that morning had the option, they had a choice to make. They were faced with a decision about what they would do as Jesus seemed to be going on about his way. They made a decision to ask him to remain with them. We can do the same thing. There are all sorts of responses to God's word that we can embody. In a minute, we'll do prayers of the people. That's a response. We receive the offering as a response to God's word in thanksgiving and in gratitude for all that God has done for us. We can do confession, as I said, as a response to the word. We sing praise. Oftentimes we have a baptism following the word of God. People may join the church, express their faith in God. I've seen a marriage, a wedding happen in the context of Sunday morning worship in response to the word. And of course, communion. The third movement in the basic pattern is thanksgiving and communion. After having heard the word, um, we take those actions that Jesus shared with his disciples in that upper room 
the night before he died, where he took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, and shared it with his friends. We do all those things, specifically on the first Sunday of each month. We celebrate communion together. And just as those disciples joined the risen Christ around the table, we do too. And just as Jesus was made known to the disciples in the breaking of the bread, we can expect to encounter Christ in the breaking of bread here. That's why we have an open communion table. There are some Christian denominations or churches that limit access to the table based on the age of the person or the level of their preparation or whether or not they're a member of that particular congregation or denomination. But in the United Methodist Church, we practice an open table because we take very seriously that you will likely encounter Christ at this table and that can be a converting moment and we do not want to limit anyone's access to Christ in that way. I know that I encounter Christ in your faces every time we celebrate communion together as I serve you. I catch glimpses of the stories that you carry with you into worship on your faces. If you've never had the experience of serving communion and you would like to try it, please let me know. It is a sacred experience. And then that fourth movement of the basic pattern, the sending forth, just as Jesus vanished and sent the disciples out to the world in faith and joy, he sends us forth into the world. During our sending, we do things like sing a song, a song that inspires us to be disciples out in the world, to be the church. We have our acolytes return to the front. They take the light, douse the candles, and they lead us out at the end of the service very faithfully as a reminder that Jesus goes before us wherever we go. And just as those disciples encountered Christ again amongst the, gather, the gathering in Jerusalem, we can trust that Christ is with us wherever we go. We're not in this alone at all. We receive the benediction or the blessing, and that again reminds us that we are accompanied by Christ. Here's the deal. The idea is that as we continue to rehearse graced reality over and over and over again, that slowly our whole lives might be transformed into an act of worship. Coming together weekly to practice this discipline, to rehearse graced reality together through all of this helps us to live into the identity and the purpose that God has given us. Together, each and every week, claiming God's story more deeply and realizing graced reality. Amen.